Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Startup Focus with Game Changers, presented by SAP, the best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies to shake up the status quo with big data and real-time and predictive analytics from the consumer to the enterprise. Learn how to help your organization move in exciting new directions. Here's your host, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to run to the Game Changers, oh my, you know you're in the right place. To our listeners around the world, thank you for listening and being so supportive of our shows. There were almost 950,000 of you last year around the world giving a thumbs up to Game Changers, and that's why we're still here. So thank you. Let's see what the buzz on the street is today. Okay, listen up. I have some statistics here from a website I found called Pagan. Don't take that the wrong way. Pagan Research. And here's the quote, just a little snippet. Quote, in 2017, over 2,000 AI-driven startups were being born. So let's talk about this. What does this mean? Well, from self-driving cars to drones to smartphones, intelligent homes, are you living in one? And voice assistance, come on, we all have one. Artificial intelligence, that's AI, is ingrained into every technology we use, whether you're using Google or Apple, Amazon, Facebook, or so many others. So how do new companies in the AI space imagine and develop breakthrough apps? Come on, they want to disrupt. They want to capture a market, create a new market, topple the big, what I call the behemoth enterprises, and they want to help other companies change the world for the better and smarter. So we're going to meet one again today. They've been on the show before and find out how, why, where, what, and what's going on with them in the AI space. Let me tell you who my special guests are. Two on the panel. You're going to get to know them very well. First up, in a moment, I'll be welcoming back Surendra Reddy, R-E-D-D-Y. He's the founder and CEO of a company called Quantiply. Let me spell that if you want to look them up. Q-A-U. Q-U-A-N-T-I-P-L-Y. And joining him on the panel is a newcomer to Game Changers Radio. He's Steve Ritzke, R-I-E-T-Z-K-E, Director of Business Development for SAP Startup Focus. Welcome, gentlemen. So let's go to the opening quote. Uh, Surendra Reddy has sent me a fascinating quote here from Bertrand Russell. If you're a young person out there somewhere, you may not have a clue. Bertrand Arthur William Russell, the third Earl Russell, O-M-F-R-S. They like so many letters in, in British lore. Was a British philosopher, logician, mathematician, historian, writer, social critic, political activist, and Nobel laureate. Oh, my. He's considered one of the founders of analytic philosophy, and he received the Nobel Prize in Literature in 1950. Here's the quote. Hang tight. This is a long one that Surrender has picked. Quote, there will still be things that machines cannot do. They will not produce great art or great literature or great philosophy. They will not be able to discover the secret springs of happiness in the human heart. They will know nothing of love and friendship. Surrender, I'm melting. How are you? What a beautiful quote. How have you been? Pretty good, Bonnie. How are you? Fine, thank you. Tell me about this. Beautiful quote. Is it not a very timely one? Though it is, uh, you know, said long back, and I really like uh, Russell's philosophy and his analytical mathematics. I think he understands very well, you know, the limitations of technology in any situation involving humans and human interaction. You know, the missions can bring in automation. They can do a lot of things. But what they cannot bring, as he rightly said, love, happiness, or, you know, the creativity, all the things we do as humans, we have very special skill. 
I don't think the missions are ready to replace that. I think it's a very nice starting for our discussion on artificial intelligence, how this would displace or replace or reconfigure our jobs and lives going forward. Very interesting, Surrender. When you're, we're talking about the term artificial intelligence, I know we have something called IQ, intelligent quotient. Remember, that goes way back, I think, here in the American schools. When I was growing up, you took an IQ test, and if you were really smart, they got you. I, I was a member of Mensa back in the day. I probably still am, although they must have raised the standards mm-hmm. since I was young. But we have also EQ, emotional intelligence, emotional quotient intelligence. So the question is, are we talking here when we talk about machines can't know love and friendship, the secret springs of happiness in the human heart? Do you think, and we've seen movies about this, Surendra, where robots fall in love, hello. So do you think that there is a, a way of a repositioning the statement in the artificial heart? Maybe I'm, I'm stretching a little here, but I'd love to get your quick thoughts on this. Yeah, maybe I can take it a little far. Maybe we need to teach missions how to show love, you know, compassion and things like that. Maybe I will call it augmented love, right? We need to augment missions with love and care. Like we train our, our pets. We can train our, and our missions to really be in sync with us. What happens is if you train our missions, you're actually cloning your personality. The other person is not going to be unique and distinct. You're basically, that could be your replica, right? So given that, I think you don't get a true love. You know, basically, the machine will sing your own song. It, it may not be really a true love with you. It's making you really happy with whatever you want it to be happy. You know, to achieve that true love, I think it may be a, it may be a century away from the reality. Once we start mapping the human, human brain, and then maybe we can get to the point of missions can thinking independently and loving and caring in their own way, not just the way we teach them to do things. Thank you very much. Thanks for indulging me, Surendra. I appreciate that. We have a lot more coming from you later in the show. And now let me introduce our new guest, Steve Ritzke at SAP. And Steve has sent us a also beautiful quote from Ralph Waldo Emerson. Here is a Ralph Waldo Emerson, 1803 to 1882, American essayist, lecturer, philosopher, and poet. He led the transcendentalist movement of the mid-19th century. He championed individualism, and he gave lectures and had essays all over the United States, more than 1,500 public lectures, and you may know him from his essay called Nature. In 1836, I know you weren't there, but you might have heard of it. He was he was considered by Oliver Wendell Holmes Sr. to be America's intellectual declaration of independence. That's what a speech by by Ralph Waldo Emerson called the American scholar in 1837. So there's a lot of history here. Here's the quote Steve has selected. Quote, every particular in nature, a leaf, a drop, a crystal, a moment of time is related to the whole and partakes of the perfection of the whole. Steve, this is a beautiful quote. I feel like I'm reading a poem here. How are you, Steve Ritzke? Uh, very well, thank you. Thanks, Bonnie. Um, yeah, it is. And Ralph Waldo Emerson was a, a great poet as well. So I think uh, much of what he wrote and much of what he philosophized is, is, um, comes out that way, in kind of that lyrical stint to it. Um, so tell, tell think, me about how this quote relates to our topic of AI and, and the AI space. Love to hear the connection. Yeah. No, absolutely. I, so it, it's like I tell my kids every day, you know, um, 
and, and it's ironic because I say get off of your phones and get outside and go see nature and feel it <laughs> and do something outside. But um, I think there's a correlation. Everything in nature, obviously, you know, the rain falls. It falls into a stream. It is used by uh, animals and plants, and it makes the world grow. It's very much like the digital world. Everything that's in the digital world, uh, we are all connected by our by our phones, by any machine, by any um, voice recognition software, um, and we can connect back to a database somewhere, and that database can then be connected into a cloud and be uh, and and give us insights which we may not have had. So where the where the physical world is fully connected, so is the digital world, and it it is timely in this artificial intelligence discussion, I think, is because this is how we are all interconnected and we can, machines and, and computers can learn from us and vice versa. So that's, that's Thank the way you I was very thinking about that. That was lovely. Let's go back a little bit to the quote from Bertrand Russell that Surendra shared just before you started, Steve, and, and you talk about the moment in time, the nature, the leaf, the drop, the crystal. Do you think we'll get to the point where robots will be able to I, appreciate the beauty? Yeah. I kind of I kind of agree with Surendra. I, I think, you know, machines can identify patterns, and, but I don't know that they can invent um, beauty in the way that, um, in, in, you know, they can certainly produce it, but I don't know that they can invent um, art in the way that, that we would like. You know, and, and I think that's obviously the value that the human spirit and the human intervention applies to the whole discussion. So, um we, we are the ones in control, not the machine. I like that. I like that a lot. Thank you very much. That's, that's a good harking back to reality here. I, I'm looking here, uh, Steve, I just Googled, can robots make art, just because I was curious. And there's an article on NPR.org called, You Can Give a Robot a Paintbrush, But Does It Create Art? There's another one from ComputerWorld.com. Can robots make art? Yes, but don't ask them to write a poem. Uh, here's another one from TechnologyReview.com. Robots art raises questions about human creativity from MIT Technology. And here's one from Business Insider. 15 incredible pieces of art created by robots. Very interesting. That's from from 2016. So, uh, yeah, we might we might have to do a show on robots and artwork. I don't know. I know Christina Sosa from SAP Startup Focus is listening to the show. Christina, we might need to get a startup that works with robots that are artistic. I think that would be a fascinating topic. But right now we're here speaking with Surendra Reddy at Quantiply and Steve Ritzke at SAP. So, Surendra, you know this is the part of the show where we get a little bit personal, not too. Love to know where you're calling from and what are you drinking that makes you happy? I'm calling from San Jose, California. And today, actually, I have vanilla bourbon tea, South African red tea actually infused with uh, cloves and a dash of honey. I really like this uh, red tea, and I actually picked this up in Singapore when I visited the tea garden there recently. Pretty amazing tea. Lovely. I have to tell you a story about Singapore, Surendra. We're going to be starting a brand new show next week, the 21st of March, if everything goes according to plan, called 
Asia Soaring with APJ Game Changers, and it's going to be uh, the main speakers will be in Singapore and India. I'll be hosting it here from the East Coast of the U.S. It'll be done at 8 p.m. live East Coast time next Wednesday night. We're going to do six of them over the next couple months, so I will be hopefully learning a lot about IoT and AI and how, how it's being done in APJ. I think that'll be very interesting. Thank you, Surendra. Lovely to have you back. Steve Ritzke, we'd love to get to know you a little bit. Where are you right now, and what's your favorite drink in the whole wide world? Oh, well, there's a difference between what I'm drinking and what's my favorite drink. But, uh, All right. Calling- Give me both. Give me both. <laughs> All right. I'm calling in from uh, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Uh, Newtown mm-hmm. Square is SAP's North American headquarters or U.S. headquarters. Um, and my current drink is, well, this morning I... Finished the dark roast coffee. I think it was just a standard Starbucks dark roast, probably French roast in this case. And now I switched to uh, an orange sparkling water, which is delicious and helps get through conversations, especially when you're talking a lot and you're getting a little dry in your throat. So um, delicious. But my favorite drink I, it would have to be probably some type of microbrew beer, and I imagine it would be uh, you know, basically any very crisp and hoppy IPA, something like that. Do you have a favorite brand you'd like to share with us, Steve? It's okay. Uh, you know, I, I don't know that it's a favorite brand, but um, I, I think uh, the one that you can find almost everywhere and it's pretty um, consistent go-to is Lagunitas, and now it's shipped everywhere. But I don't necessarily want to make a commercial for Lagunitas. It's just a, one that I find that I can find almost everywhere, and it's usually pretty good. Very nice. We're always looking for interesting recommendations. We've had such interesting drinks shared with us over the years on the show. So no commercial, but uh, very, very interesting. Thank you very much. And Surendra may remember that they do not let me anywhere near caffeine on radio show days. And you are already my second live show today. We did one a little over an hour ago. So all they let me have is pure, clear water in a cool, clear mug. And I have a pink straw because the snow is starting to melt. It's going to reach up to almost 50 here today. We had a really, really nasty, nasty snowstorm here in Durham. I'm in Durham, North Carolina now. Steve, I was in New York for the past 35 years and just landed here six months ago. So I'm looking out and seeing the snow disappearing. Yay! And New Yorker, we don't always like snow. That's right. And I'm drinking my water with a pink straw because the sun is shining and it's a beautiful day. So Let's leave it at that. We're talking today with Surendra Reddy at Quantiply. And I'm going to, before we go to break, ask him to tell us a little bit about what his company does, as well as Steve Ritzke at SAP Startup Focus. But our topic today is AI, smarter technology, smarter world. And we're going to examine what, where the entry points are for startups into this brave new world of AI, the AI space, we're going to call it. What are they doing? Why are they coming into the space? What are the opportunities? What are the imaginations that are needed for these startups to seize the moment, to imagine what the world needs and how they can do it for the first time or do it better. So before we go to our break, Surendra Reddy, I'd love to have you just give us uh, the 10,000 foot or whatever they call it overview of what Quantiply does and what you've been up to. Go ahead. Hey, Quantiply is uh, a startup focus company came out of Xerox Park and we actually focus on fighting financial crimes using artificial intelligence, especially actually stopping the money laundering and uh, that's one of the biggest problems today in the financial sector. $1.6 trillion get laundered every year. And uh, the banks, they actually, 
they don't facilitate, but they, you know, they can't really track all these things, and they get fined heavily. For example, recently, U.S. Bank got fined $613 million for not being compliant with anti-money laundering regulations. So what mm. we want to do it to these banks and financial institutions is to safeguard them using AI-based technologies to automate the tracking and detection of all the money laundering activities in the financial network and identify and report to the regulators on a timely basis. We've been very effective showing the results. We can actually achieve you know, close to 60 to 70% accuracy in detecting uh, you know, kind of these suspicious networks or suspicious actors. And current technologies, namely, they use rule-based systems. They have to write the rules based on all these regulations, and the rules need to be implemented into these systems. As a result, they produce a huge number of false positives, which is basically, you know, you're letting the criminals escape from the system and do the money laundering. And when regulators go and audit the banks, you know, they will realize that banks are not in compliance with the regulations, hence these big fines. Now, there are interesting things going on in this space, and every country across the globe is tightening up their, their best to make sure, you know, this financial system is safeguarded. And we are very passionate to really be part of this, uh, you know, very big movement using the AI as a driver to solve this problem. Very interesting. I'm very pleased that you used the word passionate. Is that the main requirement for companies breaking in at the startup level, breaking into, I don't know that AI is an established industry, but it, it certainly has been around for a while. So do you think it takes that passion that can do that something needs to be done and we think we have a way that nobody else has created yet? What's your thought on, on that part of the startup process, Surendra? I think to do a startup, you need a passion. Otherwise, why the heck I am in this place, right? You know, there's a lot of challenges <laughs> doing this every day. It's a fun, right? It's a lot of fun. Especially the, the things we're trying to solve are very complex. It needs a lot of patience. And unless we have the passion and energy and fun, we can't really get to our finish line. So we've been in this for the last four years. We haven't, uh, you know, changed our direction. We haven't actually even thought twice whether we can get to the finish line or not, but we are actually pushing ahead. We have 34 banks in our pipeline right now, and SAP is our great partner to help us get to our customers and make a big difference. Thank you. Very well put. And, and Steve, you work with the Startup Focus Program at SAP. Any thoughts you want to have on, on what Surendra just shared with us about the passion, the fun, the if I'm not having fun and not passionate, what am I doing in this place? I love that quote, Surendra. Oh, well, Steve, go ahead. Well, you, can, you can hear the energy in Surendra's voice and just the, the fact that, you know, 34 banks in the pipeline, you know, that's, that's amazing considering, um, you know, you're going from a startup company and you're just getting your your name out there, and it's fantastic. And, and many of what SAP does and what Startup Focus does is help nurture uh, companies that want to build on SAP platforms, and it's wonderful to have Surrender with us on the panel to talk uh, about, you know, some of, some of the exciting things that he's doing and with the, you know, the way that anti-money laundering is such a key topic and, and how, um, how they can help us, you know, conquer that industry. 
Thank you very much. Very eloquently put, Steve. And you know what? We're going to take a quick break and give these gentlemen a chance to wet their whistle, whatever it is. I don't know, Steve, you're doing the beer. Probably not yet, but later on we're going to want to report it. We're going to want to report about how the orange soda is doing with wetting your whistle there. And surrender, you can have your tea. I'm going to have my water. We're going to take a quick break. So you know the drill. Don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. Oh, come on. You could say it yourselves already. Been doing it for so many years. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and I plan to be after the break. We'll be right back. Aaron out. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. In today's globalized world, the competition for customers and marketplace has never been fiercer. Emerging technologies, especially those like big data, can help level the playing field and enable everyone from established enterprises to nimble startups to radically change the status quo. The bottom line, if you embrace technology, you can innovate your way to success. Big data is changing the way we live our lives and do business. Learn how with Startup Focus with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. With new companies like yours competing aggressively for top customers, your strategies and tools must level the playing field and position you well against your larger adversaries. Today, you are faced with global competition for both customers and talent that will drive your business. The bottom line, you need to define what's going to set you apart, and you need to embrace innovation in every facet of your company and your brand. Startup Focus with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. You're listening to Startup Focus with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com and you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at twitter hashtag s-a-p-r-a-d-i-o now let's get back to startup focus with game changers here we go. We're back speaking today with Surrender Ready at Quantify is D. Ritzky at SAP. And our topic is AI. That's artificial intelligence in case you've been hiding somewhere. Smart machines, smarter world. That's the gist of it. So we're going to start off with some roundtable comments here that Surrender Ready at Quantify sent me before the show. We're going to get a little bit uh, dramatic here, I'm going to say, for the first statement. I will read something from Surrender's notes and then he'll comment and we'll bounce it around to Steve and then we'll pick another topic. So uh, Surendra said, the Renaissance AI. He says, hardly a day goes by without apocalyptic warnings of artificial intelligence potentially creating a dystopian destiny. Oh, that just sounds so dark. But here's here's the good part. He says, in spite of all the hype around artificial intelligence, it's finally starting to deliver on its promises. So are they good promises or bad promises? Surendra, enlighten us, please. Okay, let me just uh, walk you through the you know, dramatic here. Let's take a dystopian view for a minute, Bonnie. 
Okay. So assume that all these systems can take all our tasks and it can become really humans. It can actually share love, build relationships, draw wonderful pictures, and missions doesn't need us. We all lose jobs and the economy fall apart. And mm-hmm. what happens? It's a really, really gloomy world. That's, I don't think that's going to happen. At maybe 100, 200 years, maybe, you know, maybe 300 years, if we can able to replicate the, you know, these missions into the world of like humans and create test hormones in these missions to be muzzle enough to really share love, passion, compassion, and all these things with the same kind of energy we all do and live every day, I don't think that's going to happen. And let's, let's take the utopian view where and just be optimistic a little bit. And yeah, I will, uh, you know, we'll do all of our jobs, jobs we don't like to do. And it can be a, a good friend assisting us to do things better. And it can actually, you know, make the world be a better place to be in. And, and we all can do things we love. You know, we can go for more, more vacations. And we can do the space travel with the help of our you know, AI technology, powered robots, and things like that. And it can also just fight the evil forces much more effectively than we are doing today. And it can enable us to make right decisions. It can do some sort of simulations to help what happens to the co-human beings if we decide on different things. Give us a different kind of guidance in in a utopian world. But even that's going to be a far-fetched for us to truly achieve that. What I would like to paint is a more realistic view. You know, computers will really help us do a lot of things in a smart way, like our smartphones does today. And the robotics can help us do mundane things, can take up some of these tasks, guard our homes, guard, you know, watch our gardens, do kind of a low-profile jobs, creating new opportunities for us to do better things. So that's the kind of, you know, just we can definitely see a much better future with AI coexisting with us, We're coexisting with, with missions, and then, you know, like our pets today, maybe we'll have a, a, a kind of humanized uh, robots living with us together harmoniously, not taking our jobs and making us useless, but making us much more powerful. I like that. I like that very much. I'm very optimistic. You got us right out of that dark dystopian or dystopian darkness. Thank you, Surendra. Steve Ritsky, love to get your thoughts on this. What do you see? I, I agree. I mean, I know... I know we don't have to agree on everything, but I think Surrender's right. <laughs> Again, I, I think uh, basically computers don't create relationships um, the way that we do in business and in, in life. So one thing that these AI systems won't do necessarily is create the bonds that we all form together. And, and as Surrender eloquently put, if we have more time to make new businesses, new, create new things together, create new industries. Throughout history, there's been disruptive technologies that have changed, um, and certainly some people will be affected in certain, in certain roles in their, in their businesses, but others, other new, entirely new industries will be created, new companies will be created. So uh, on par, we'll have more productivity and more opportunity in the future because we have new technologies like AI. Thank you. Surrender, anything you want to add before I look at some notes here from Steve? We've got some interesting places to go in the conversation, but anything else on that particular part of our topic? Surrender? I think it's good. I would add the empathy to that. I think the reason all these things is important for us is the empathy, right? That plays a very important role in the whole transition from, you know, the robotics to, you know, 
the augmented intelligence powered, you know, call it humanoids, so they can work with us. That's very important. And so given that, you know, every organization, it is time for us to rethink, you know, how we do things, you know, what needs to be changed to accommodate these technologies. And AI is going to be a part of our system. It's not going to be a differentiator anymore. It's going to be a commodity. So we have to live with it. We're already living with it. All of our smartphones dominate what we do. So, you know, it is given. We have to live with it. We have to find new ways to make entertain entertain ourselves. Okay, I like that too. A little responsibility on the human part. Steve, I'm looking at your notes here, and let's do a little level setting. You say, let's look at AI as computer-driven insight. Machines and computers can sort through massive amounts of data and detect underlying patterns far exceeding human speed and capability. Let's talk a little bit about the good that it's doing and your work in Startup Focus. How do you see companies entering this field and doing that exceeding what humans can do for the, for the good. Any thoughts on that? Well, I mean, it, we have a great example here of Quantify. Um, but, mm-hmm. you know, you imagine years ago, uh, without, without the ability to have a database um, that's addressable in memory, just very, very large systems that can work at incredible speeds, it would be impossible for human beings, um, people in banks, for example, to detect fraud. Uh, without the type of technologies that Quantify brings. So in, in working with partners like Surrenderous, we're able to bring these new technologies to light and make businesses more efficient. So this anti-money laundering that we're talking about is brought on by the technologies between you know, the, the more addressable data, uh, the fact that that we have uh, the newest and, and most advanced um, artificial intelligence and machine learning capabilities, and combined with uh, combined with the people, the people within Quantify that are bringing it to light. So, with those with those convergence of technologies and the fact that SAP can uh, work with our partners to bring these bring these to the market, that's where we're seeing the, the difference. Thank you. Steve, do you have any other examples? I'm looking at your notes here. You've got an example. Let's get really down to the basics here. A plumber walking into a home or a business. Let's talk about how AI can really help with, I'll call it mundane, mundane examples. We see see examples every day, but just take machine learning. So we we, we at SAP, we have a machine learning foundation, we call it. But if if you look at what a plumber can do or, or any any utility worker or any, any worker coming into your home or business, you can take a, snap a picture of any fixture that needs repair, and that fixture can then be brought into a database compared against other um, solutions that, or other fixtures that may need, uh, that may need review, and a, a solution is immediately sent to the, to the worker in the field. And that field technician then has not only uh, the solution to fix, but also has uh, an, an easily um, comprehensible ability to look at uh, the way that the fix is, is made. It might have a video, might have other several mm-hmm. other solutions around how to uh, comply with what the most probability of the of the next fix is. So the these technologies are able to, to provide field field technicians. Um, any labor, really, another example is you can take a picture if you're working in, um, 
in a financial depart- finance department, you could take a picture of an invoice and have that mm-hmm. invoice compared against already paid invoices. So it's, it's an example of machine learning using your handheld device, taking a picture of something that's relatively mundane, but having that, that picture compared against assets in the database. And with pattern recognition, we can, we can tell whether that invoice has been paid or that resume compares to a, um, you know, another, another an HR application is whether a resume uh, comports to the, the requirements that might be there virtually without human um, intervention other than the teams working to compare uh, from, a, from a handheld device. So it's, it's very exciting. Thank you. Steve, what's interesting to me, and I'm, I'm going to get Surrender's comments in a second, is that I know when you take a picture, it's a it's a capture, it's a grab, it's usually a JPEG or a PNG, and none of the data in that is is capturable or, shall we say, copy and pasteable to get down to the, the really bare minimum requirements here. So it has to be, the, the AI has to have that ability to visually see the pattern. That's what fascinates me. It's not like they could say, oh, let's take line 3, 5, and 96 on that statement, and let's put them into a spreadsheet, and then let's put them into a Word document, and let's put them side by side with the same lines on a different, and see where there was more or less of XYZ. That's not doing it. It's a total visual recognition. This just boggles my mind. I want to Surendra, what do you think about this? Am I am I picking it up in the right way? Yes, you are, Bonnie. That's computer vision is actually that's where artificial intelligence slash machine learning do extremely good job there in identifying who Bonnie is in the crowd. You know, the machine learning algorithms can do a very accurate job. You know, with little or no training, you know, sometimes you need to teach the system how Bonnie will look like and things like that. With a few you know, hints to the system, it can detect things very well. It's very difficult for you and us human beings to do that, you know, in a crowd, so go spot where Bonnie is. It's very difficult to do that even for humans, but machines, once you taught and put them to use, they can do very effectively. Very interesting. Picking me out of a crowd wouldn't be too hard, I'll tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> you, would recognize, you. <laughs> you would recognize me right away. You absolutely would. Thank you very much. Surrender, I'm looking at your notes here. I, here's something that, another thing that fascinates me about this. You talk about enabling superhumans, and you put that together as one word. Not superhumans, but superhumans. It's a noun now. And you say AI is surely enabling the rapid creation of smart things that can think, that can act, that can learn, that can talk, which may take away many of the routine jobs. However, here's your statement. You doubt many of these machines will achieve the knowledge of human heuristics or the ability to create novel ideas and artifacts. So let's talk about that creativity factor. Uh, I don't know if machines can have be taught to have passion, but can they become novel creators or brainstormers or innovators or design thinking experts? Surrender, what's your observation? It's, it's a very interesting topic to me. You know, we're looking at these superhumans. You know, we have this uh, commitment in the company to make heroes in our customer domain. You know, if you really empower our customers with the tools and technologies necessary to act beyond their human comprehension, I can take the example of, uh, you know, anti-money laundering. Maybe I'll give you a quick, uh, you know, one-on-one of how this anti-money laundering works. In every country... Mm-hmm. 
in institute regulations to control the flow of money. You know, if it is illegal money, they have no problems. But the problem is there's a lot of illegal money getting into the financial system and flow through the financial system and conduct a lot of illicit activities. And across the globe, there's a lot of initiatives going on. There's 52,000-plus regulations in force. You know, it was in 2014. And the changes, you know, every day there's 200 add or subtract to these regulations. It's impossible for, you know, all the lawyers and the legal enforcement folks and the banks and the regulatory agencies to track all these things. By empowering them with the tools powered by artificial intelligence, we are enabling superhumans in these institutions to actually find these bad actors much faster than anybody can find. That's where our analogy of, you know, can we really make humans superhumans just uh, accelerating, I call it quantifying their intelligence IQ factor beyond mm -hmm. their comprehension. Because they don't need to really think, actually. We can augment them with a lot of intelligence. So otherwise, they have to go learn, read, and, uh, you know, to comprehend those things. Now we can actually augment them. And second point on my note is, you know, can these missions actually replace humans by being completely creative or maybe decision makers? They can provide, you know, a lot of uh, pathways for your decision-making process since they don't have the the emotional thinking or the passion, compassion elements, they don't mm -hmm. know the consequence of their actions. Suppose Bonnie needs to take an action that's going to hurt my feelings. You will think twice before you make your decision because there's a yes. compassion and those humanistic characteristics come into the, you know, into the foreplay. Whereas in the mission, it's directed to do certain things. Okay, if these conditions are met, I'm going to classify surrender ready as a bad actor. It will not think. It will not ask the question, why am I doing it? Am I doing it right? So that element is missing in the, at least in the current technology landscape. I don't see that's coming in next at least 10, 15 years. So we thought that we can't really put missions to do, you know, human impactable decision-making process. But it's true even in the anti-money laundering case. We can't really put this technology to go and automatically classify either Bonnie or Surrender as a bad actors without a human coming and augmenting these missions to add that compassion element and do one more scrutiny before they classify such activities. Thank you. Very insightful. Steve Ritzke, love to get your thoughts on this. What, do you, what would you like to share with us? No, I, I think I agree with Surrender again. I think... Uh, What's what's happening in um, in this in this environment is we're we're looking at bad actors, um, and I think the the ability to have this anti money laundering is something just we would not have had um, even even years ago, even a matter of two years ago, three years ago. So the the speed with which this technology is moving is just incredible, and I think what's exciting is to have partners like Quantify working with us. Thank you very much. Steve, I'm going to bounce over here to, to your notes. I'm looking at some areas where you say AI it can become our focus for looking at startups. So uh, separate from... Uh, Separate from a discussion of the particular company or the software, let's just get generic here. You say self-driving scenarios using predictive algorithms and location-based software is one category. Another one is IoT and edge analytics for manufacturing is another. You say AI is a game changer in retail and helping brick-and-mortar stores identify the best customers. You talk about robotics or drone use, self-driving equipment. What are some of your, your favorites among the ones I mentioned that you could give us some examples? Well, I think, I think 
many are uh, our favorite. I think self-driving, you know, you think of yourself as taking a, uh, taking a ride to work. And in the future, uh, you know, I was sitting on a panel, listening to a panel a couple of months ago, and basically the, the message was, you won't, we won't be teaching our children uh, under the age of about 10 to drive in the future. So in the future, uh, the ability to have artificial intelligence applications, you can look at something like Waze, which is an amazing technology, an amazing company, doing uh, optimizing the way we route our, ourselves to work or anywhere. And in the future, um, the ability to have some technology like a, uh, like, uh, you know, using the combination of what our intents are, where we're putting our intent to go somewhere, using the traffic around us, using our geospatial positioning, and then telling us and having us be the creator of where we want to be and how we want to get there is, is that kind of uh, the, the, the potential. And what's, what's going to change is while we're not driving, while we have that new, um, that new outlook on life, we have all that extra time to create things that uh, create new opportunities for us. We can have, we can speak to other people on the phone. We can have relationships. We can do things that we never would have would have been able to do because we've been droning on, spending time driving for the past, you know, so many hours per day that that won't exist in the future. And that's just what's so amazing about some of these technologies, whether it's artificial intelligence and, machine, and combined with machine learning, it just gives us that ability. Some of the partners that we're working with, like we, one of the um, things that we're talking about is preventative maintenance. So mm-hmm. some, of the, some of the startups that we're working with are, have, have technologies at the edge of the network, which are literally listening to devices and are able to distinguish between um, one component and another based on the sound that that device is giving off. And that's an, just an incredible example of machine learning and how it can listen uh, virtually to the, to the sound of a machine misoperating. And then, and then because of that uh, ability for that, um, for that nuance of differential, can send back to the database and, and make recommendations to the services team as to how to deal with that potential problem. So these types of things are just incredible and will continue in the future. Thank you, Steve. Surendra, love to get your thoughts, and I want to go to another place in your notes, but first, thoughts on some of the examples that Steve shared, please. I think preventive maintenance is a pretty interesting example, uh, you know, that Steve has given. I really agree with what he said. And we did some work in that space for one of the railway companies in Japan. They have this problem of these train cars doors getting jammed. And uh, once the train actually, the door gets jammed, they have to stop the train for a few minutes to actually unlock it, which actually disrupts the whole scheduling process. So Mm -hmm. we did some interesting work for them to be able to predict when the door will get jammed so that they can actually do the preventive maintenance. Imagine how much of change that made to the whole transportation system. Imagine if you can actually put the same technology into your home furnace or refrigerator or your TV system or anything else you wanted to automatically detect the problem, call the technician, schedule the time. It will free me from all these mundane tasks, number one. 
And number two, I can focus on things that matter most to me. I don't need to really worry about when my lawnmower is going to stop working or my refrigerator mm-hmm. is going to stop working, so on and so forth is out of my head. And third thing I would like to add to Steve's list is the right now we're all droning in the information overload. I'm looking forward to see these systems will relieve us, you know, looking at all our emails, looking at all our tweet messages, our Facebook messages, and tell me what matters really close to my heart. What, what should I care for? Then actually I can respond to them with more, you know, one-on-one attention rather than just uh, myself drowning in the ocean of all this information. Thank you, Surendra. I'm, I'm looking at your notes here. There's one more topic I'd like to cover. We have about seven minutes till we go to our predictions round. This is number seven on your list, Surendra, ready at Quantify. You say, trust and confidence in machines versus humans. Let me just read a little. Consider an AI system that has been taught to identify cats but has only been trained on images of black cats. If the system sees a white cat for the first time, it might confidently assert that it is not a cat, this is what's called an unknown unknown. Trained on incomplete data, the system has no way of knowing it's completely wrong. So how can we trust these systems? Surrender, how do we? Great question. Yeah, that's, that's the dichotomy we are going through because we are solving one of the complex problems in the anti-money laundering space. When we classify, you know, we can only classify things based on the historical data or some of the patterns we can see. What happens if we really found in that process, you know, there is a typology, there's a money laundering scenario we found through the mission recognition problem. So, but can I really go ahead and classify that as a, you know, bad actor and just to send it to regulators to take some sort of enforcement action on them? My answer mm-hmm. is, you know, don't know yet because, you know, even though I'm very confident these missions can do a very good job, there's a slight chance they may misclassify. So we don't want to, you know, put, uh, you know, this mistrust into the system. So that's the challenge we need to bring in is to how do we really, you know, incorporate trust element. That only happens by, you know, the humans and missions coexist, you know, like a color symbiotic relationship. You tell me what you think, uh, you know, when our AI system, we call it Kira. Hey, Kira, tell me what you think about this particular transaction. Somebody is sending $10 million to, you know, the surrender's relative account in India. Is this a money laundering account? So then Kira can come and, you know, I really suspect this is a money laundering, but there's a potential because Surendra never sent $1 million in the last five years, but why don't you investigate, Mr. Surendra, and let me know. Then here after that, I will actually incorporate that knowledge into my learning process. So that interaction, you know, the, the humans assisting these missions, in our case, Kira, to really, you know, teach her what is right, teach her when she can actually decide with 100% confidence this particular outcome is the true outcome, things like that. Very interesting. Uh, let's talk about AI as an enabler of an intelligent enterprise. Surrender, you want to run with this? Innovation is critical in compliance. I know you've been talking about it from the, from the perspective of fraud and banking, but can we expand it a little bit to intelligent enterprise in other industries, please? Intelligent enterprise, uh, you can see it is not a new concept. It's actually coined by, I think, a bunch of these research companies way back, actually. I think I heard this word when I was at Bell Labs. You know, that's way back to the late 90s. You know, how can we create an intelligent enterprise, connected enterprise? There's a lot of variants of these things, you know, thrown out. But actually what happened was those days technology doesn't exist to facilitate that. 
So what's happening now with the machine learning and teachable systems, automated processes, extreme automation, you know, there's a lot of buzzwords thrown out here. And take up all the buzzwords, what's really happening is extreme automation. And the customer experience is changing everything with the connected world, smartphones, customer is very well connected. So you need to bring a customer very close to the, your operations of your system. You need to bring your compliance, regulation, everything needs to be integrated together. I call it integrated enterprise with the heart and mind attached to it to really take care of customers. That is called intelligent enterprise. So AI and machine learning is actually enablers for the technology to the organizations to become one like that. So I think that's also happened to be SAP's uh, new theme, the intelligent enterprise enabled by SAP, I guess. There you go. Thank you very much, Steve. We have you back. Steve, love to get your thoughts. We were just talking about uh, trust and confidence in machines, and then we were talking about the intelligent enterprise without getting into slogans or anything. Any thoughts on that, Steve? I know you were off no. for a couple of minutes. Yeah, just sorry about that. There was a power outage quickly. That's okay. Right Hope you're all right. In. So, no, fine. So, I was just commenting on one of the things Sarandra was saying in the beginning. I think it's it's trust in machines and trust in the data. Um, again, it's it's a matter of historical and addressable data. Now that we have the ability to put these systems in the cloud and in, in things like SAP HANA, not to mention the product name, but we have, we have much more addressability. The challenge is, is, can we trust that the data is really the data that we're looking at? So I agree with the fact that it's just a matter of having, uh, if, we can, if we trust in the output, we have to trust in the input and making sure that the data sources are the sources that we're really looking at. Thank you very much. You know what? We're just about at the time where we need to start our predictions round. So let's extend it a little bit. I'm very interested in where each of you sees this going. So let's start with Surendra Reddy. Surendra, let's do a two-part prediction from you. Number one, where will Quantify be, let's say, in 2025? And where do you see AI in terms of the broad field of AI startups? Do you think it will be crowded? Do you think that there will be so many companies, for example, listening to this broadcast today, they'll say, wow, there's gold in them, our hills. I want to have the opportunity to do my own startup. I see an opening, a niche. I have a passion. I want to have fun like Surrendra is having a Quantify. Or do you see that it's going to level off? Give me some predictions on the field, please. So by 2025, you know, my vision for Quantify is to completely destroy the financial crimes using AI, period. No other talk on that. So we will get there. And second part of predictions, yes, I think AI will become part of every business, like e-business become part of every business. AI will be part of every activity, every process, every business. So that's no differentiator. And what differentiates these companies is value they create to their customers. I think I would see next five years the re-transformation or reconfiguration of business processes, uh, the work practices, the way people work, and maybe I hope one day the transport number of cars on the road will be reduced dramatically because people can work from home remotely or maybe from the space without really getting on the road, wasting two, three hours of their time commuting. So I, I'm actually going to see some, you know, at least predicting that AI will change the way we work, the way we live in the next five to ten years. 
Thank you very much. The Thank way we were. How could it change more about the way we live? Uh, we, we have time for just a little more elaboration, Surrender, not to put you on the spot. But how will it change more? We've already got our bots. We've already got, listen, I don't use Miss A, Alexa. If I say it too loud, she'll talk to me from the other room. <laughs> I, I don't use her for too much, but I do like to ask her what the temperature is when I wake up in the morning. I asked her about some political news this morning, and she was right up to date, told me who and what and when and where, not why. Um, I ask her for music all the time, but how many more of those do I need in my life? Surendra, where, where is the need on the consumer side for more AI? Oh, teleporting yourself into the world you love. Virtual reality can take you <laughs> wherever you want to fly in that day. <laughs> or maybe holographic connections, connecting with the universe, connecting with the people, connecting with the environment, with the technology, immersing yourself. There's many more things to come. You know, you, you can have your own avatar taking you to the place you wanted to go, you know, live and enjoy and come back to your realistic world. That's where technology is going to make a difference for you because you will have a lot of time available at your disposal because all the robotics or the AI is going to do all your mundane jobs. You don't need to worry about it. It can cook your meal when the time is ready for you. Maybe it can feed you too. You don't need your hands. You can actually using, uh, you know, doing different things at the time. So it's definitely going to either you make completely, completely dumb are completely intelligent, right? You know, the both ways are possible. <laughs> you're, you're very charming. But I love to cook. I love to drive. I love to host radio, and I want to keep working. So I'm not sure I'm the good candidate. Trans- teletransporting, that would be cool. I would like to, I would like to teletransport to meet some people who are no longer here with us, but that would be a whole other topic. I don't think we can do radio about that. Thank you for the optimism. Steve Risky, I saved two minutes for you for predictions. What would you like to see in the crystal ball? Go ahead. Well, I think everything will just speed up and get better and and more uh, accurate, and the quality will be better. So the the devices that we're using, uh, recognizing text and video and speech and images will simply improve dramatically. Uh, the algorithms will get better. Uh, we, the, the models that we're building to do these uh, artificial intelligence predictions uh, and helping us will improve exponentially. And of course, we're just stra- scratching the surface with applications. Whether you know some of the things that Quantify has brought to us, others in predictive uh, maintenance, service tickets, uh, resume matching, things like that. Uh, we'll have a, an incredible number of new applications. So right now we're we're simply scratching the surface of what's possible from an application point of view. And okay. SAP and, and our, our startups will, will bring them to you. And hopefully, Steve, we won't have any more power outages because the electric hopefully. company, the uh, utility, will know when it's going to happen. And they will say, wait a minute, Steve Ritzke is live on Game Changers Radio. We can't possibly have a power outage now because Bonnie and Surendra would say, where's Steve, where's Steve, where's Steve, and have to edit it out of the show. So we couldn't do that to dear Steve. So that would be another application. Sorry. I I think we need, Surendra, we need need to find somebody to, to uh, predict power outages and stop them before they interrupt radio shows. That's all I'm going to say. So I want to do a quick shout out, of course, to Aaron Keller, our engineer at World Talk Radio and uh, the Business Channel. Thank you, Aaron. You rock. And thank 
thank you to Surrender Ready at Quantify. I hope you'll come back again, Surrender. Steve Risky, so nice to meet you. Thank you for sharing your time and your thoughts. And of course, a shout out to Manju Bonzal. I've known Manju for years. I've been at SAP eight years. Never dreamed he would end up sponsoring a radio series, but here we are. This is season four or five. I lost track. And of course, Christina Sosa, who is listening, who helps to put together these wonderful topics and panels. Christina, great, great, humble appreciation to you. So here's my call to action. You all know it. You could probably recite it with me, but I'm going to do it anyway. Fasten your seatbelt. Oh, come on. Even if you're not driving, if you're in the AI space like Surrender Ready is a Quantify, you need to put your seatbelt on, right, Surrender? Because there's so much happening. You don't want to fall off your off your chair on the spaceship that's taking you into the passion and the fun of being a startup. Fasten your seatbelt, whatever you're driving or not, or who's driving you. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. Have a great one. Bonnie D. Graham signing off. I'll be back tomorrow morning, Wednesday, the 14th of March here, 11 a.m. Eastern on the Business Channel, talking to, oh my goodness, we're going to talk about um, stretch careers through the gender lens. You don't want to miss that. If you don't have a clue what it is, you have to tune in. Talk to you tomorrow. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Startup Focus with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. And please join host Bonnie D. Graham again next Tuesday morning at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.